My name is Abdil Leroy. Author, poet, narrator, voice actor, all-round creative genius. Welcome to my podcast and to the Christmas season. Each week I announce a book giveaway for the following Friday coming up at the end of this episode. And sometimes I will quote another poet. And my rule is, only from memory. "'Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds, while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads. And Mummer in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled our brains for a long winter's nap, when out on the lawn there arose such a clatter, I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below, when what to my wandering eye should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Nick. More rapid than eagles his courses they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen. On Comet, on Cupid, on Donner and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky, so up to the housetop the courses they flew, with the sleigh full of toys and St. Nicholas too. And then in a moment I heard on the roof the prancing and pawing of each little hoof. As I drew in my head and was turning around, down the chimney St. Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot. A bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry. His droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard on his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He said not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night! These podcasts include excerpts from my audiobooks, and today I'm going to read from my novel, The Christmas Tree, 
Like all my works, it's copyright protected with the US Library of Congress. And then I'll close with my ode to a British songbird who is emblematic of the Christmas season. I was moved to write The Christmas Tree when I was living in New York City, and I saw how Christmas trees were discarded on the sidewalk once the festive season was over. It saddened my heart, so I imagined a different outcome for one such tree. Enjoy! Finally, the day they called Christmas seemed imminent. And on the night before, which they called Christmas Eve, the boy and his sister sat contemplating the wondrous array of colour before them and eyeing the packages beneath the tree and wondering what might be in them. Suddenly, though, the boy's face saddened. I wish it could be Christmas all year round, he said. Then we could get presents every day, replied his sister. And... We would always have this beautiful tree to remind us of it, said the boy. I think the tree wants to stay here forever too. Don't be silly, said his sister. How can a tree want anything? The question hung unanswered in the fixed gaze of the boy, who saw into the heart of our beloved tree, and he felt loved by the tree, and indeed he was. It was as if they had come from the same origin and would return to the same place. The children went to bed, and our tree fancied they must be thinking about sugar plums, whatever they may be. He pondered what he had heard. If Christmas was not all year round, what came after Christmas? He had heard this family describe him as the Christmas tree. What would become of him if it were not Christmas any more? And could the boy's wish of having Christmas every day come true? As he comforted himself with this last thought, suddenly a man clothed in red appeared before him. His face was adorned with white hair, and on his head he wore a red cap. He appeared to leave more packages at the foot of our tree. Then he turned stroked and kissed one of his branches, and said, God bless thee, tree of our tomorrows. Then, with a wink of affection, he disappeared again, after which our tree thought he heard the pattering of light footsteps rushing away above him. He had just returned to quiet contemplation of the bright hues cast by the lights adorning him, when he noticed a stirring among the hitherto frozen creatures on the piano top. The little child, around whom the other figures were gathered, appeared to move. His radiance illuminated everyone and everything around him, then filled the entire room in which our tree dwelt, becoming even brighter than the Christmas lights. Our tree looked about him, for a tree can see in every direction at once, and to his amazement now found himself standing among all those little figures. He knew not whether he had shrunk to their size or whether they had grown to his, but there he was among them, and everyone now seemed to be in motion. Looking intently upon the child was a young woman whose tresses lay upon her comely shoulder. Blessed art thou among women, said a voice like the sound of rushing waters. But the tree could not see who spoke. Alongside her was a tall man, his hands were calloused but gentle, strong to defend, yet tender to caress, 
and conjured none of the dread of those bitter hands that first smote our tree in the once enchanted wood. Kneeling around the child in adoration were six other men. Three held each a staff in his hand, and each placed it at the foot of the child, and three others removed crowns from their heads and placed them alongside the staffs. They were trying to converse with each other, but the men who had staffs spoke a different language from those who wore crowns, so presently they tried to convey their meaning through gesture. The men of the crowns pointed upwards. Our tree looked and saw to his delight the open night sky, thick inlaid with patterns of bright gold, where the stars appeared to be singing a huge choir in joyful assembly. And our tree remembered the choirs whose music he had heard in former days, when the younger saplings would sing with high voice, and the older trees, venerable and ancient giants, with low voice, and others with the pitch in between. And now the singing orbs of the night sky appeared to be paying homage to one new star, brighter than all the rest, that blazed with a glory that illuminated all the upturned faces. The men of the staffs, when they beheld this brightest of all stars, seemed to understand what the men of the crowns were trying to tell them, for they said, Oh! and Ah! And perhaps O and Ah are words that every language understands. Then the men of the staffs tried to convey something back to the men of the crowns. They too pointed to the sky and got to their feet and flapped their arms. Seeing their message was not understood, the three started singing, or trying to, but they couldn't seem to agree on a tune. One would hum a note, the other two would try in vain to copy it, and the three would sing for just a few moments before collapsing with laughter. And all around them laughed too, the baby in the centre, the young woman with the compassionate eyes, the taller man beside her, the men with the crowns, and even the four-legged beast. These antics continued until none could remain on his feet any longer, but fell to the ground in convulsions of mirth. And our beloved tree saw for the first time the appearance of sap at their eyes, but knew that this meant joy, not sorrow. Finally, as the laughter began to die down, the three men of the crown started conversing with each other, repeating the antics of the men with staffs, and gradually appeared to understand the message their friends had tried to convey. At once, they stopped talking, looked at each other, and uttered, Oh! which set the whole company to screeches of laughter once more. The very pillars of that place seemed to tremble with laughter and even our tree felt his boughs shaking and his trunk swaying as he caught the spirit of mirth that blessed this place. But now, amidst the laughter, the baby creature seemed to take the appearance of a full-grown man, and the man said to our tree, I am that star that appeared to you in the heavens, and I am come to bless thee. I established thee in Eden, Thou diest with me at Calvary, and thou art chosen to celebrate the day of my birth. Thou wilt ever stand with me by the river of life, and thou shalt bear twelve crops of fruit, 
and thou shalt heal the nations. And as our tree heard these words, daylight filtered into his vision, and the laughter belonged to children, not just the boy and his sister, but others too, who danced around the room to shouts of Merry Christmas, and shrill notes were blown from musical instruments that unrolled themselves, and the children tore into the packages around the foot of our tree and embraced and kissed each other. And the people, for now our tree had learned to call them people rather than creatures, sang around the musical instrument and laughed some more and teased each other and supped hot drinks and ate choice things. How glorious it all seemed to our tree, who realised he had had a dream, or something like it, how happy he was to be surrounded by love and laughter and merriment and warmth and rejoicing. Now a red-coated figure came into the room. He reminded our tree of his dream, though the red of this figure was brighter and the white on his face more like a cloud. Some of the younger children called him Father Christmas and others called him Uncle, but he too brought more packages which the children tore into with delight. But our special tree paid special attention to the special little boy who had brought him there, and he rejoiced to see the child's eagerness and delight. Presently, in a moment of reflection, the boy turned his attention to the piano and to the collection of figures thereon. Daddy, he exclaimed, the shepherd's sticks and the wise men's crowns are on the ground now. Do you think they had a party in the manger last night? Bless me, said the boy's father. What an imagination you have. I bet you moved them, said his sister. No, I didn't, said the boy. Let him alone, said their father gently. Who knows what magic happens when we're not looking? Our tree tried to speak now for he so wanted to tell them what he had seen that night. Heaving within himself, he tried to stir his branches as he used to do in the forest when he wanted to speak to his brothers and sisters. The Christmas tree would know if they had a party, wouldn't you? said the little boy. And perhaps our tree did manage to wave a frond or two, for the little boy said, Look, he's nodding. Don't be silly, said his sister. It's just a tree. But the boy continued to gaze at the branches. As day drew to a close, guests and loved ones started to drift away until the room was left with only the immediate family. Quietly, they sat on chairs facing our tree, drinking a brew and discussing the events of the long day. All right, said the father eventually. Time for bed. The little boy lingered as the others departed. Good night, Mr. Christmas Tree, he uttered. And perhaps the little boy discerned as he left the room the tremble of a frond, the dipping of a branch, or a twinkle of the star that stood atop our tree. <laughs> For the past 20 years or so, I've been compiling my Versus Versus Empire series. Get it? It's a homonym. Here's the latest entry. It's called Bona Fide 
on the U.S. Senate's recent vote to stop involvement in the Yemen war. By 63 to 37 votes, famed Fibonacci ratio, finally, the U.S. Senate has shown principle to cease support for Salman's killing spree. It took one murder in a consulate to prick the conscience hitherto unstung by carnage, genocide, enforced starvation, the countless thousands who have died unsung. Though Trump, tear-gassing toddlers, touting torture, endeavours still to mute the horrid sound a man makes hacked to death by Saudi butchers, yet still Khashoggi's blood cries from the ground. And finally, here's an ode to the robin. If you're in the US and you're not familiar with the European robin, it's a small bird that remains in Britain all year round, emblematic of Christmas for us, beloved, and is characterised by a red breast in the shape of a heart and by its beautiful song. I often use birds as messengers in my fiction, and in my epic, Elijah, the robin makes a couple of appearances as an angel in disguise. This is called Cockshaw Two to the Robin. It was not springtime, as the robin sang his pipes, whistles and trills upon a branch of leaves denuded in December's chill, his body trembling with the Orphean feet, nor did I know if any bird was by to hear his anthems in the crispy air, courtship unseasonal this time of year, when Christmas carols are our wonted theme. Dead I believe I was this bright blue day, his only audience as I peered up within that barren tree, his altered perch, foiled to his brilliance, and beheld his beauty. Or that advent awakening, an angel, to keep my spirits up, outpoured his heart, God's messenger on earth to lonely saints, who winter in obscurity unsung. In any case, eyes wet with gratitude, after I'd drunk of his divinity, I smiled and raised my hands in prayer, and whispered thank you to the frosty air. Okay, before I go, mark your calendar for the book giveaway on Amazon US, Amazon UK this coming Friday, December the 14th. It's going to be Versus Versus Empire, Volume 3, The Trump Era. And remember, when you read or listen to one of my books, make sure to leave a review at Amazon or wherever you buy books because I'm an independent author, and your reviews help other readers to find my stuff. Okay, until next week, this has been Abdiel Leroy. <laughs> <laughs>